Welcome to Top Secrets of Promotional Product Sales. How to increase sales, improve margins, and grow your business. Guaranteed. Now, David Blaze. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Anyone who knows me knows that I am a maniac when it comes to implementation. Ideas are all well and good, but implementation is where the rubber meets the road. It's not until we actually take a good idea and implement it that it actually has any power in our business. So today I'd like to talk implementation with Randy Conley. Randy is a Top Secrets client. He's been in the promotional products industry for 20 years, six of those years as a sales representative, 10 years as a distributor owner, and now Randy works with distributors and suppliers to help them increase their sales. Randy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being having me here, David. Great to talk with you. Uh, the reason I wanted to chat with Randy is uh, Randy's been a client of ours for a while, and he was telling me about some of the things that he was implementing of our material with some of his clients. And I said, you know what? We need to tell our listeners about this. So, uh, Randy agreed to come on and sort of share what he's been doing. So uh, let's just start out with what is it that you've been doing? What types of businesses have, have you worked with and, and what have been the results? Well, David, I've worked with uh, a supply. Recently, I've worked with a supplier and distributor, but most recently with distributors and helping them uh, analyze their business uh, and in particular with an eye to profitability and, and sales growth. Mm -hmm. And I've been helping them implement some ideas, more than just the strategy, but actually being some, giving them some hands-on assistance. Yeah, and I think that's extremely valuable because ideas are great, but even million-dollar ideas are essentially a dime a dozen. I mean, they're really powerless until you actually implement them. And that's really what you've been doing is helping these people to implement these ideas in their businesses. So what are some of the things that you've actually been able to help your clients to implement, and, and what have they gotten as a result of that? Well, I, I agree with you, David. That, and what I find out there is that a lot of business owners are very busy, and they love they love listening to your your DVDs and your CDs when they're in their car. But having the time and uh, to actually focus on implementation is a challenge for them. Right. And that's where I've been able to help. Uh, recently, I worked with uh, spent about six months actually working with a, a distributor, and uh, he was a market leader, but was uh, challenged by his bottom line results, especially in relation to the amount of time he was putting into his business. And so the first thing I was able to do for him was to give him an outside opinion and analysis of where his uh, roadblocks were to uh, improving his success. Okay. And uh, a lot of research went into that, uh, meeting with staff, analyzing financial statements, uh, reviewing his account base, um, and really with an eye to uh, the sales side of things as well, um, the kind of accounts the salespeople were calling on and even the ones they had, what, what the results were and where they were spending their best amount of time. Okay. Um, we started off really with account analysis uh, for his, his leading sales reps, and uh, they were busy. Like sales weren't an issue, um, but we were wondering if they were maximizing the returns on the time they were investing. Mm -hmm. So we took a quick look at uh, this last 12 month sales stats and looked at some key metrics such as number of orders they were placing, what their average order size was, and you've worked with people I know a lot on the idea of growing the average order size as a way to make more money. Right. Uh, we looked at their median order size as well. Where's that breaking point with where they, half their orders are bigger and half their orders are smaller? We did some ranking of their accounts and categorizing of their sales accounts to see who is their top return on their time invested mm -hmm. and who was uh, basically challenging as far as profitability. Right. We, we had some interesting results. Um, and one of the biggest things we found was 20% of the volume of orders their top salespeople were writing accounted for less than 4% of their sales. Wow. And that was just a, an eye-opener right there. Right. So um, 
you know, we we did some work to try and streamline that, streamline that, sorry, and and just get the sales reps to realize that for them to improve their income and, and subsequently for the business to improve its sales, we need to spend more time focusing on the accounts that had better return and less time on these 20% of their accounts. Right. Now, you know, something something that simple, I mean, for, for business owners who are listening to this and they're saying, okay, what can I do to sort of ramp things up? Um, what, what you're talking about is a, a concept I've often referred to as sort of corporate triage and you know, sort of breaking your accounts, ranking your accounts in order who spends the most with you, you know, who's the most profitable down to the who's least profitable with you. And then sort of breaking that up into three groups, you know, the ones who are sort of on the way up, the ones who are uh, moving to spend more with you, the ones who are uh, sp- uh, spending less with you, and the ones who will really... Uh, uh, only spend more if you allocate some time with them, and then putting the time and resources into developing the accounts you really want to develop. Yeah, you're right. We we even took it a step further, and we added a couple more categories to your your three category list. Mm-hmm. We added uh, a category for people where we we don't mind taking their business, but we couldn't afford an outside sales rep to go call on the person. Okay. I mean, the time of a salesperson to get in his car and go see the guy and come back with samples and, and do all that work requires a certain size order for it to be profitable in the amount of hours he puts into it. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, they had a good customer service staff there with a nice showroom. So some of these accounts, we just decided, listen, if they're going to do business with us, they need to come see us. And they need to deal with a, a salary staff, a customer service person who can help them out. Um, it's just the nature of the size of their business. So how do you convince a client who's been doing it one way to then switch? Um, yeah, that's a that's a bit of a challenge. Um, we uh, we just just when they called us into the sales rep, we just said, listen, I'm just swamped right now. It's a busy season. I'm tired. I'm, you know, would like to take care of you though. Can you deal with Can you deal with uh, somebody in customer service and let me give them a, get to give you a shout? Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, they don't. It wasn't that they needed somebody to come see them. It's just you know, the rep's routine is to go see them. Right. Yeah. So, and even if they're just spending time on the phone, in my opinion, if the guy's a good account manager, good salesperson, he needs to to call on accounts and spend his time with accounts where he does need to go see them right, and yeah. develop that relationship. Mm-hmm. So by just suggesting this person could deal with inside sales or customer service and they would get the same results, it wasn't a difficult switch. Right. And then you said there was another group as well? Yeah. we. You know, sometimes you have to fire your accounts. There's some, there's some of these uh, people you just can't afford to do business with at all. Right. These are people that are always uh, perhaps low volume, super low volume, rarely use you, shop around a lot, so they're always difficult with price margins. Mm-hmm pay slow. Um, so we all had those types of accounts. Yeah. And sometimes you just got to say, hmm, maybe it's time to raise our prices dramatically to those people and uh, thus subtly encouraging them maybe to go somewhere else. Right. And I always thought, and personally, I always thought it'd be interesting to send those people we really don't want to deal with to actually refer them to our competitor. Yeah, exactly. The competitors <laughs> you don't let's like. Stick our, let's stick all their problems on our competitor and let him deal with them. Yeah, it's a brilliant strategy. <laughs> so you so you did the thing where you raise the price until they either say uncle or they actually pay it. Right. Yeah. Right. And you know, if they are going to deal with us and be a pain, at least let's make a lot of money. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so we make it their choice, of course. Uh, uh-huh. We don't actually tell anybody we don't want to do business with them, but uh, it's, a, it's a strategy you have to employ. And I encourage this, the sales force to actually do this type of analysis with their accounts on an annual basis. Right. Yeah. Sit it's a down great... and, and review the complete list. And, and we, you know, by... And spend more time, percentage of your time, focusing on those A accounts that are your cream of the crop and the B accounts, especially the ones that are, have the ability to become an A account right. if they you spend some more time working on them. Yeah. Now, I know uh, qualification is something that's always important. How, how did you help the sales reps to better qualify their prospects? Well, first we found the time to, to qualify their prospects because they were very busy. So there was a lot of order taking going on. Um, and uh, 
the qualifying process requires, you know, first of all, be able to sit down and ask ask some questions, right? Mm-hmm. Quickly ask some questions. But um, by by removing a lot of their smaller accounts that we were, we were dealing with, we freed up a lot of time. You know, twenty percent of the volume of orders is a lot of a lot of time during the day. Right. So all of a sudden, they can spend more time when people are when they're talking to either current accounts or new accounts to find out what they're really all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, just to, before we get into the qualifying too deeply, let's talk about the time management side of the things okay. that allowed them to do this. Basic time management skills were implemented, things like using calendars, got sales reps into Blackberry so they communicate in the road and become more efficient, mm-hmm. um, got them into a system where they were better organized to handle things. Um, because they were taking orders a lot and they were busy writing orders, they weren't necessarily following up on quotes a lot. In the analysis phase of things, we found out initially that they're their uh, closure rate on quotes was in the 40 to 50 percent range. Wow. Which I was shocked that it was that low. Yeah. And a lot of that was simply because they were sending quotes out and not following up promptly because they were so busy dealing with other customers. Mm-hmm. So um, by qualifying, having more time to actually qualify, they were able to um, better determine what the needs of the client were and what they were, whether they were just tire kickers and then they were just getting ballparks on things or whether they really needed a formal quote or not. Right. Um, so this was a, a, another way to save a lot of time with, with them and focus on the people who are really serious about buying as opposed to just um, entertaining themselves with spending time in a showroom and thinking how great it would be to get some shirts for their small company when really they weren't into a buying mode. Right. So, uh, so did you have a specific qualifying procedure that they followed or just a, a few questions, or how did you work that? No, we gave them a, we gave them a one-page form, which was designed to ask some of the key questions that uh, I think every project you work on or account you work on, you need to know. Uh, we obviously talked to them about learning more about their business, what industry they're in, what their goals are, what they're trying to achieve with the thing. But when it comes down to the specifics of quoting a, a job, um, we need to know things like when is, when is the order due? Well, what's the event date? And some of this sounds pretty straightforward, but it's amazing how many times you, you get to the end of it and you're just quoting a product and you don't have all the information. Right. We talk about distribution requirements. Is this just going to one location or is it being shipped across the country? How is it being distributed? Is it being handed out personally by the sales person or is it being mailed out? In mm-hmm. which case, size and weight of the, of the product is going to be important. Right. We talked about who the client was giving the stuff to. We have to remember that our, often our clients are not the end user target market. Right. They're, they're giving these promotional items with their brand on them to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that the items we recommend are based highly on who the target market is. Mm-hmm. These are executives are handing them to. We have to come up with an executive type item. Right. So a lot of these types of uh, questions we got into the qualifying process to determine do we have the right product for them at the right time. Right. Okay. It's part of, again, the process we went to of trying to get more solution selling as opposed to product selling. Mm-hmm. Encouraging them to be the experts and, and generate ideas that suit their target market. And so did they pretty much rise to the occasion? They absolutely did. It's a tremendous result. Um, when after several months of working on this, their closure rate on quotes was up to over 90%. Wow, from 40 to 50. That's right. And a lot of that was we weren't doing formal quotes, too. They were spending a lot of time with everybody. It was just a, it was a company process that people would fall into a habit of anybody who comes in and says, hey, uh, how much are T-shirts? Well, they'd say, well, let's get a quote for you. Oh, okay, right. And so a lot of that was just getting under the trend of dealing with people verbally initially until you qualified them as a buyer and saying, well, you know, T-shirts cost 5 to $10, depending on how many you want and what color you want and what your graphics look like. Right. And uh, worry about the process of typing it all up formally for them when they're closer to a buying decision. 
Yeah. So part of it is about essentially putting out fewer quotes to begin with, only to the qualified people, and that by itself uh, will help to increase your closing ratios. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, great. All right, so well, let's talk profit margins because once you've got these people qualified and and you're bringing in additional business and optimizing the sales reps' time better, how do you get them to uh, get their margins up? Well, one of the first things we realized is that uh, there was a lot of fear of of uh, price out there, and that was a that was a challenge to overcome. It was ingrained in the culture of the company that uh, pr- price was an issue and had to be uh, you had to be really really competitive in, in to order to be successful. And, and Randy, I'm sorry to interrupt, but when you say uh, fear, you're talking about fear on the part of the sales reps. Yes, not, not the client. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, I, I experienced I experienced salespeople coming to me with a, they were preparing a quote for a client, and they, they hadn't prepared it yet, hadn't talked price with the client at all, and their first question to me was, hmm, uh, what do you think we should do with price here? Should we, you know, how much should we discount this? Oh, boy. So we had an attitude of uh, discounting right off the bat that had to be overcome. Right. And I use some of your tools, like uh, the uh, list you have of the top 15 the most important uh, things to promotional product clients to show the sales reps that things like competitive pricing is number six on the list. Right. Uh-huh. You know, it's not even in the top five. So their fear was perhaps unwarranted. Right. So when they say, what percentage should we discount this, your answer was zero? <laughs> well, no, I actually, and, and you know, that, that is one way to look at it, of course, but my answer, my answer was more, my questions were more in two different ways. Number one was, why do you feel like we need to go lower in the price? Mm-hmm. And when you put that back to the salesperson, often they really didn't have a good answer. Right. It was more like, that's just what we do. And I think this is pretty common out there because, because of the nature of our industry where price selling is, uh, is out there, that's for sure, uh, especially on a lot of startups is how do you, you know, how do you compete? But they didn't really have a good answer. When I said, well, push a little further, how many orders from this client have we lost because of price over the last year? Right. Uh-huh. And invariably, the answer was, well, none. <laughs> okay. Okay. And they were a bit taken aback when I suggested that it would be really neat if sometime in the next year we actually lost an order or two because of price. Wow. So that would then tell us we're getting close to the threshold of pain they have and in the marketplace for margin. That's a sort of a revolutionary idea, isn't it? Well, I just I, you know, if you're not losing a certain percentage of your sales every year for different reasons, then you're not pushing the envelope, mm-hmm. and you're leaving money on the table, in my opinion. Wow. Okay. okay but how do you find that out? Well, you find it out by trying. The second question I asked them when they came to talk about price was, okay, how much of your commission are you prepared to discount? <laughs> and what did they say to that? Well, they weren't too happy about that. Yeah, right. Right? And I said, well, I love the fact that you, the salesperson, is willing to stand up for your pricing and want to make your money. You got family to feed. You need to make a profit, but guess what? So does the owner of the business. Mm-hmm. So we got to get on the same page, right? So we worked hard on this, and a lot of it was um, was giving them the tools to overcome this in their mind. Um, they didn't have very good uh, ability to, um, to deal with price issues with the client. If they did have, them, there was a lot of fear of that. So we were able to work with them to develop the ability to allow them to justify their price, mm-hmm. to talk about the service they were giving, the quality their expertise in the industry, the uh, guarantee they have for their products, the results they were generating for their customers. And once they got comfortable with the fact that if a customer said, ooh, that sounds like a lot, they had a response they could hand, hand out to them that overcame those price issues. Um, they were much more comfortable with that. Right. Now, when you talk about like uh, salespeople being concerned, not wanting to cut their own commission, but in some cases wanting to cut the price of the item, did you tie it somehow to say, okay, the, the house has to make a minimum percent? Or how did you handle that? Yeah, well, we didn't, we didn't right away because we just stopped discounting. 
I knew from the financial analysis of the business and the, and the, and the cost of sales analysis that the margins were extremely low relative to industry standards and what the owner needed to make to make the kind of profit that I think is reasonable in this type of business. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think there was any pricing issues at all. And after asking the kind of questions I did to the reps, it was clear it was in their head. It wasn't reality. Right. Uh, it was, let's face it, it's a, it's a price objection. It's a tougher one to overcome for some people. Pretty common out there. Right. And um, so it's just it was easier to just go and discount the price than it was to worry about uh, how do I deal with this if the guy doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. I also questioned their relationships with their sale with their salespeople with their customers by by challenging them to uh, you know asking them for example uh, if you are quoting a product on a customer of yours one of your top customers and you're three or four percent too high do you have the kind of relationship with that account that the guy's going to come back and uh, tell you that information and give you the opportunity to to talk about it well invariably they said yes absolutely our top accounts were very close with right. Well, again, there's something to realize that you're not going to lose the order necessarily just because you put a price on a piece of paper. Yep. No, that's, that's a great point. Great point. And there is lots of room. And that's when you talk about, am I just quoting an order or am I doing business with a client? Right. So as a result of implementing these things, what happened with the margins? Well, the margins went up dramatically. And uh, over the space of four months, we were up over 4%. And when I was uh, finished with this uh, with this contract job, we left them in a position that would continue to go up probably by another 2 to 4% over the next six months. Okay, when you say 2 to 4%, you mean 2 to 4% increase in their... In, in margin. Their, in, their, in their overall profit margin. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, a 4% increase uh, in one year, if they're doing, say, hypothetically, a million-dollar sales, that's $40,000, which goes right to the bottom line. Right, yep, exactly. Now, when the owner talks about, boy, I'd like to make more money in my business, there's, there's an easy way to do it right there. Right. Now, some of this has to be related to marketing the business. So what did you do to help them there to market the business better and differently? Yeah, we did some, we did some work there just to get more consistent with the, uh, the communication and the contact between the sales reps and their key account. Okay. So um, they had some things where they did uh, um, call them off-season, slow-season specials from time to time. Mm-hmm. And we took that. They were product specials, and we took that concept um, and uh, decided to make it a regular thing and promote it every month. And, and send e-blasts out actually twice a month on these things, which gave the salesperson a, a chance uh, to follow up on this type of thing. It was almost like warming up the call for him. Right, okay. Where they didn't have to just call the customer and say, hey, how you doing? Can we do some business this month? They're now calling and saying, hey, I see you see we have T-shirts on sale this month, and uh, can we help you out? And if it's not that, it led into a discussion of what are you doing this time? Mm-hmm. Do you have a trade show coming up? Do you have a sales incentive you'd like us to work? It seemed a little bit contradictory to the solution selling side of thing, but it wasn't about selling product necessarily as so much as to allowing communication to take place between the client and the rep on a, and on a regular basis as opposed to just once in a while. So this allows their brand to be front of mind with the clients when the time comes they really do need something. So really, I mean, a lot of the marketing that you did was about building that relationship, strengthening the relationship between the sales rep and the existing accounts. That's exactly, and not just existing accounts, but to their key accounts, mm-hmm. where you really their profitability was maximized. And at the same time, because you know your marketing costs are fixed when, when you come up to designing these things, you could send it out to prospects as well, and then continue to grow the business that way. Right. Okay. Excellent. All right. And so, uh, so when you wrapped up this job, you you left them with a copy of the Top Secrets program. I did. You know, I, I find people I talk to, I recommend it highly. Um, I insist they didn't have it when I got there. And I said, boy, this is something that they could really, really help their uh, sales force and their customer service staff and help business owners as well, of course. But uh, I think your DVD set is, should be mandatory viewing for any person uh, that's joining the industry. 
Well, and I think your implementation of it should be mandatory for anyone who gets it. <laughs> well, I recognize that business owners are busy and salespeople are busy. Right. And uh, a lot of these, like you say, you've got a lot of good ideas here, but who has the time necessarily to actually get their hands dirty and dig in there and make it happen? Right. And I was uh, I really enjoyed and more than pleased to uh, help with those types of things. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. If, uh, if any of our listeners want to contact you, how would they go about doing that? I got a, a phone, cell phone that's always on, David, at uh, area code four one six five zero nine five zero nine three, or they can reach me by email at uh, r Conley. That's r c o n l e y at turnkeymarketing.ca. Excellent. All right, Randy. Well, it was great talking with you. Thank you for joining us. Well, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, David. Keep up the excellent implementation, and I encourage all our listeners to do the same. Increase sales, improve margins, and grow your business. Guaranteed. Top secrets. Top secrets. Top promotional product sales.